conversations you care about with people you know. This is the Watchdog Morning Show with Howard Monroe on WKKX and WVLY. Brought to you by WVU Medicine. Walking in the sunshine, sing a little sunshine song. Put a smile upon your face as if there's nothing wrong. Think about a good time had a long time ago. Think about forgetting about your worries and your woes. Walking in the sunshine, sing a little sunshine song. Singing and whistling and heading into hour number three of the Tuesday edition Watchdog Morning Show 909. Bob Slider behind the board. I'm right here. You know who you are. And we are engaging in good conversation and fun this morning. We talked about uh, pizza for breakfast. We had Wendy's for breakfast. Uh, we talked about the McRib is coming back. We have talked about RFK Jr. running as an independent candidate for president. We talked about the federal shutdown. What does it mean for Kevin McCarthy? We talked about uh, the uh, issues in the city of Wheeling. I wish I had had more time with the mayor. Uh, I had to sl- slot him in my short segment, which is the 840 segment. Um, that's the only time I had available. And... Um, I wanted to get into some other things with him, but I thought he offered up some interesting thoughts. I am con- curious about this environmental uh, question raised at the LVL parlor in uh, uh, on National Road. I, I, I get where the mayor's coming from. I said before, as a member of the Planning Commission, I have always said it's not our job to decide if a business is good business or bad business. Is it simply an appropriate business under the code and regulations? But uh, there are some things I think I have some concerns about how this whole process has been working out. Maybe I'm just in a grumpy mood this week. No, you're just... not. I've been biting my lip, and i got to say something because my lip's ready to bleed here, Howard. I have two questions for you. One is a personal question, and the other one is just that because of your knowledge on how city government works here in the friendly city of Wheeling. Okay. I sell a piece of property. Maybe it was a gas station or a cleaner's. And there is things there that I got to be careful with environmental-wise. Is it my job to come to you and say, by the way, yes, you know I've been using these chemicals and I want to show you that I did this properly? Or is it the city's job to stick their nose in it and say, well, wait a minute, did you do this right? No, I don't think it's the city's job. It's the job of the property owner to have an environmental study done, I would think, Um if you know there's the potential for hazardous chemicals there. And I don't know that there is, but, I mean, I, I think it was a dry cleaner. Dry cleaners often have use, uh, use chemicals. If that it was a be- gas station, the city wouldn't say, hey, by the way, did you get those tanks out of there okay? I don't think, no, I don't think so. I don't think that's a, it, it may be an arm of government. It may be an uh, the uh, – it's not the EPA in the state. The state uh, – Was it the Corps of Engineers that got involved with stuff going into streams and Yeah, stuff but that's, like again, that? a different issue. But, I, but I, your, your philosophy, I think, is right, Bob. It's just – it's not the city's job, but I do think probably the – it's not the Department of Natural Resources. It's um, – DEP, Department of Environmental Protection, maybe. Someone has the responsibility for making sure that a, a site that had been potentially have hazardous chemicals has been checked. You, ha- you know, you have to have an environment. You're, you're, the best analogy is, is, the, is a gas station. So if you ask that question and the owner of the property says, well, uh, no, that, red, that raises up a red flag to you then? You know, I, 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 again, I don't, I don't know enough about those kind of regulations to, to, to say, but I would think that anybody knows that, that dry cleaners – and the mayor, the mayor said this himself. Yes, he did. That dry cleaners very often – not always, but very often, 
because of the use of their chemicals, leave behind what the mayor called a brownfield site. I've never called it a brownfield site, but I get that. Uh, and there should be an environmental study done. Now, there may have been. I don't know Absolutely. that. There may well have I'd been. I'd like to see it, though. Uh, it, my, my feeling is that this whole process moved very quickly. Real quick. And, and I, so that's one of the things that I, I, got, I got wondering about, was there an environmental study uh, done? Now, the city can only go so far in doing so many things. I, I got a text here uh, off the Frio Stack Office Service text line. Howard, by your logic, council should vote to take away LVL machines from TJ's in the 19th hole because of their proximity to a school and a church. First place, they're not taking them away from the 19th hole. They're actually going to, 19th hole is going to get more machines because they're the ones who are going to be operating the, uh, uh, the, the place across the road there, the, the, new, the new place in the Spick and Span Cleaners. Um, yeah, I mean, it may, it's, again, here's the way, unless I am wrong, and Rosemary will tell me if I'm wrong, Rosemary Humboldt Warmoth, who just got, by the way, appointed to the chairmanship of the International Association of Municipal Lawyers. So. Well, congratulations, Rosemary. I thought you were going to go with Chili, Howard. I was going to say she's, she's at the top of the chili. She's top of the chili for sure, but no, she got a big, she's a, you know, she's a big wig in, in city attorneys as well. Um, if I remember correctly, and I think I do, it was around in the 80s. Our friend Barry Crow was on council at the time, if I remember correctly. And the council, I've said this over and over again the last couple of weeks, council did not want Wheeling to become like Weirton was at the time, which is, you know, gaming parlor after gaming parlor after gaming parlor. You walk down the street and it's gaming parlor A and B and C and D and E and they're just all there. And council said, we don't want that. We don't want Wheeling to turn into that. This was as the LVLs first were coming online. And so council put some regulations into effect for the city that are a bit more stringent than the state regulations. And I don't have them in my mind and certainly not in front of me on paper. Uh, but among other things, you can't be within X number of feet of a c current LVL parlor. In other words, if there's one nearby within whatever it is, 1,500 feet or whatever the number is, then you can't have another one because they don't want to have, you, you don't want six LVL parlors all in one corner. That was why council passed this rule. But they gave to themselves the ability to override that regulation if it is a, quote, economic development effort, which is what's happening here. The Development Committee of Council heard this last week. Council will vote on the recommendation tonight that uh, that uh, this uh, was Angie's Drive-In 2 or whatever it is, the uh, uh, 19th Hole's new drive-through and LVAL parlor, um, to be exempted from those regulations. Now, to the texter, um, I don't remember uh, how TJ's and that 19th Hole got their uh, machines, but they probably did get... They probably did get an exemption uh, by the council. As the mayor said last hour, they pretty much every time somebody's come forward and asked for a, an economic development ex exemption, they've received it. Um, and, and, and that's okay. So be it. So be it. Um, but um, All right. You, I, you, you answered that question great. How about this question? You and I, we find this terrific guest. From the minute he walks in the door to he sits down, he's charming. He has all the answers. He, he answers everything that you ask him, exactly the answers that you want. This guy is terrific. And for a half hour, he sits here and he charms us with his responses. Is it Jeff Morris? No. And then when he gets ready to go, you say to him, well, what do you got in store for the rest of the day? And he said, well, I'm heading back home. And you're saying, oh, heading back home. Where is home? And he said, Howard, I'm glad you asked. 
I'm heading back home to the planet of Saturn. And he truly believes that. <laughs> My point is this. After the 30 minutes of all the great answers, how could you pay attention to anything he said after he said he was going back home to Saturn? I use that example because I think that's exactly RFK Jr. He, he has the answers, and then you ask him that last question, Howard? Yeah. You can't pay attention to anything else he no, just I, said. I'm, 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 I'm with you on both of those, although I'd love to have the Saturn guy come into the studio. That would be kind of fun. I'd like to talk to him. Um, but I'm with you on the RFK thing for sure. Absolutely. A couple of quick other texts. Is that my guest, by the way? It is. All right, we'll get to her, uh, Tanisha in a minute here. Uh, okay, off the Frio Stack Auction Service text line. All right, I read the uh, thing about TJ's. We were talking about pizza earlier, a couple more pizza uh, comments. Uh, I think we've just figured this out, but Howard, uh, Moundsville Augusto's. Oh, and maybe where the 19th hole. I don't know. Was there a 19th? Was there a pizza place with a 19th? I remember Jay's Pizza. I'm sure you'll remember Jay's Pizza. It was uh, Mighty Joe Young's for a while, but I don't remember that. Okay. Uh, Howard, where is Fabio's going? Hold on. Let me pull the whole thing up here. Howard, where is Fabio's going to be located in Wheeling? Again, let's be clear, although we have heard it directly from the horse's mouth, um, it's, there, nothing has been officially announced, so there's always room for change. But the story that we are hearing and hearing clearly from the people involved is that Fabio's will at the end of the year be closing, or sometime this year, be closing their Ohio Valley Mall location. And I'm sorry to see that. I was hoping they'd add one, but I think they're going to close the mall location and open up in center wheeling. That's, that is the, that's the going rumor, at least, and it's a, it's a pretty good confirmed rumor. And finally, off the Frio Stack auction service text line, uh, Augusto's, uh, which uh, Rakili told us was in Moundsville. It was in the round roof building near the minute car wash. That sounds like uh, the 19th hole. And in the old Long John Silver's building. Okay. By Ponder. Oh, so there must have been more than one Augusto's. Well, are they saying that building that was between uh, long, the old Long John Silver's and it was that type of building? I yeah, thought they were describing it, it. Then it goes on to say, and also by the Ponderosa in Bridgeport. So okay. I'm. Must have had a couple of them. Must have had a couple of places. I remember Augusto. I remember the name. I can't remember the place. All right, we've been all over the place this morning. Now we're going to go over to Ohio and talk a little bit about um, uh, leftover ARPA money. There's still money left over? Yeah. What should we do with it? We'll talk about that coming up next. You want a hospital rising up to the challenges of today's healthcare demands. WVU Medicine Wheeling Hospital delivers the right care close to home. Developing new and exclusive services. Recruiting top surgeons. Featuring the highest level of orthopedic surgery, improving healing, rehab time, and outcomes. Offering innovative heart care through our WVU Heart and Vascular Institute. Establishing outstanding urology services with a highly experienced urologist and staff. Providing comprehensive, world-class women's health services. And equipping the WVU Cancer Institute at Wheeling Hospital with cutting-edge science for the highest standard of care. We embody the mountaineer spirit, building upon strong traditions, moving forward with compassion. WVU Medicine Wheeling Hospital, delivering the right care at the right place at the right time. 
When the unexpected happens, it's good to know you can count on the certified professional restorers at Panhandle Cleaning and Restoration. Whether it's fire, smoke, flood, or storm that damages your home or business, you can rest assured that we have helped thousands of families just like yours. With the right people, equipment, and expertise, we are ready to respond 24 hours a day to get you quickly back on your feet. When disaster strikes, just pick up the phone. Trio and Stack Auction Service. We sell the earth and everything on it. From estates to business liquidation, antiques, coins, firearms, real estate, and more. We're also certified appraisers. Trio and Stack can handle it all. Call us now for a free outside consultation. 304-233-3168. Or visit FrioAndStack.com. Licensed in West Virginia, Ohio, and Pennsylvania. Trio and Stack Auction Service. We sell the earth and everything on it. Tap radio dial and walk in because the guys from the Pine Room Podcast come right here to the Watchdog with a new, extended, and revamped show. Adding six more hours into the week, join the guys from the Pine Room Podcast every Tuesdays and Thursdays from 12 noon to 3 o'clock to talk local, national, and global sports, news, pop culture, and everything in between. The Pine Room Podcast, right here on the Watchdog. Lazy summer days are turning to time in the classroom, meeting old friends, and Friday night football. It's back to school, and we're there with you on the Watchdog Morning Show with Howard. Why am I short of attention? Got a short little span of attention, and all my nights are so long. Where's my wife and family? What if I die here? Who'll be my role model now that my role model is gone? Nine twenty one twenty one after the hour. Watchdog morning show for a Tuesday. Before I get them, yes, very quickly, Bob, you raised that question about if somebody came in here and, and gave us a very simple, good discussion about something important, and then in the end said, "I'm going back home," and said, "I'm going back home to Mars or Saturn or whatever." It reminds me, I did have a very similar situation here one time years ago. I had a guest on, and we were talking, and he was on the phone, uh, and we were talking, and at one point he said, uh, "Yes, well, you know." Um, I took a tour group to Mars last week. And it was like, at that point, it's like, okay. Well, I guess that brings this whole conversation to, to an end, you know, puts, puts things in perspective. And then my point was, when more people actually listen to uh, Mr. Kennedy, they're going to realize that, man, this guy is just, he's so far out there. All right. Uh, we talked to Willie Mayor uh, Glenn Elliott uh, last hour uh, about a number of different things. And uh, the, the city still has, they have some ARPA money left, a very, very little bit of money left, uh, the American Rescue Plan money to spend in the city for the last couple of years. Every project has been, hey, let's spend the money, let's spend the money, we got the money, let's do it. And I appreciate that. They've done it on really, really good things. But ARPA money is coming to an end. The city only has a little bit left. And the same thing is true in Ohio, where the public schools still have some ARPA money to spend, but the time to spend it is running out. And now that now that the, the money is limited, the time is running short, what's the best way to spend it? Tanisha Prude is with the uh, uh, Policy Matters Ohio group and wrote a piece about this, which struck my interest. And so I, I invited her to join us. Good morning. Welcome to our program. Good morning. Thank you for having me. So it's been nice for cities and states and counties and governments and everybody for the last few years. There's been kind of this big pot of money that everybody could reach into and pull out and do 
do things with, always not always good things, but do things with. Money's been abundant. But now the time, now the money is running short. And I guess more important, the, the time is running short to spend that money, right? Yes. Yes, we got about $4.4 billion in ARP funds um, back in 2021 when President Biden um, signed the American Rescue Plan Act. And so Ohio, now currently we have about $400 million left to spend, but we only have until September 30th, 2024 to spend that money. So just a little less than a year actually now. Um, and, and this is this is is this all focused on education? Is only available for education, or is it for other things as well? This much, uh, you know, certain amount of money is only to support primary and secondary education. So I know that you have some thoughts on, and a lot of folks do, but you have some thoughts on. You wrote a piece about where would be the most effective use of this, I'd call it leftover, but the remaining ARPA funds. If you have only X amount left over, how do you use it in the most targeted, the most efficient way? What do you think those ways are? Yes, so when the funds were first distributed, the Ohio Department of Education, um, you know, said that we should use the money to, you know, safely open schools again. Uh, About 20% of the funds was to be used to help students recover academically from, um, you know, time out of the classroom um, to prevent layoffs and hire any additional personnel to help students kind of get back on track. And so, you know, where we are now, Ohio is still recovering um, from the learning loss during the pandemic, you know, when we moved to hybrid learning models, some students fell behind. And so we're still kind of, when you look at current proficiency scores, we're still kind of behind. Um, we're struggling to recruit and retain educators, which is causing sort of a educator shortage in the state. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have enough qualified support staff, such as counselors and psychologists and, you know, uh, bus transportation staff, such as bus drivers. And so we recommend, you know. Which, which I don't mean to interrupt you, but bus drivers are a huge problem really across the country. Yeah. I know in our our area, it's a huge problem, I'm sure, in many places in Ohio as well. Finding bus drivers uh, is becoming a real real serious issue. It is. It's, it's, it's in two parts as well. It's, you know, we don't have enough qualified bus drivers that kind of came back after the pandemic. We lost a lot of bus drivers, and we're having a hard time kind of hiring them back. But we're also having a hard time finding enough drivers and buses to cover the large amount of routes that we have in the state. So there are routes that are going uncovered and students are struggling to get to school. So is that a a, a targeted use you think the money ought to be used for, the remaining ARPA money, part of what it ought to be used for? Definitely, definitely. Bus drivers, even our support staff, we don't have enough counselors in schools. We don't have enough school psychologists. We need more substitutes, you know, more teachers in the classroom, more substitutes to kind of cover those classes um, so that teachers aren't spread so thin and they don't, you know, they're not exhausted or they don't burn out and we're able to keep them in the classroom. Some schools and school districts managed to get through the pandemic better than others. Uh, Some adapted to the remote learning a little bit better than others did. So some students are not as far behind from the pandemic year as others are. It would seem to me that one thing that does need to be done, those who fell behind because of what had to be done during the pandemic need to be somehow caught up, if that's the right word, brought up to to where Mm -hmm. some of the the, the better school districts were able to get them to. 
Definitely. Like, so when the money was distributed, it was based on enrollment and um, the number of students in districts with low income families. And so larger urban districts, such as like the Cleveland Metropolitan School District, they will receive, you know, larger amounts of the funds. They received about two hundred and ninety five million um, to sort of address, you know, the needs of the low income students in that district. And so they use a lot of their money for like summer, you know, learning programs to kind to catch people up, you know, during the summer for extra tutors to help those students that were really struggling to catch back up and also providing them with more resources such as um, like uh, tablets and different things like that that they needed to kind of stay, you know, on task um, during their hybrid learning models where they may not have necessarily had those resources um, at home. I have a dumb question and I don't have an answer to this. Um, it, it could, is ARPA money available, this money we're talking about left, for private school? There, in Ohio, the legislature has put a big push on, on funneling public money to private schools. Is, is, is this funding available for the private schools or only for public schools? So this funding is primarily available to public schools. It's going to go to more, most of our public school districts. But districts that have private schools, so really it goes down to the district level. And okay. then the districts then, it's up to them, you know, how they disperse the money at the district level. So if, the, if a district has, you know, private schools within that district, they can choose to send that money there to support that school. Um, but the money primarily is going to go towards those public schools in those districts that desperately need the funds. There is a uh, there's clearly a big push in the legislature by uh, some in the legislature uh, to to divert public money to the best they can. Maybe not this ARPA money, but to, to divert public money to private schools. Um, certainly here in West Virginia, we have seen that in great abundance. Uh, the the they call it the Hope Scholarship that they are giving to anybody who wants to go to a private school. Um, the chartering of charter schools has increased in this state. There is just this big push. Um, I'm not even sure it's for pub, for charter and private schools. There's just a big push against public schools. It seems to me. Yeah. So what we're seeing, we are we are seeing that um, you know close to in this current budget site that we just had passed, um, the legislator legislature accounted for about one billion dollars in each fiscal year for voucher programs. So now students, you know, we have all this money. That's almost $2 billion in the budget that goes, that is the state is going to allocate towards um, students taking vouchers to attend private schools, which is money that could be going right to our public school um, system that we desperately need. And so right now we're just seeing that students, we already see in the state that about 70,000 applications for vouchers have gone through. That's like you know, higher than it's even been in total um, in other years. And so we're already seeing that, you know, a large amount of students are taking these vouchers, which, you know, our funding, our estimates may be off, depending on how many students take it in the long run. And so it's just a, a drain of, you know, resources that could be going towards public schools and something that definitely has to change in the years to come if we're going to keep having the funding that we need for our public schools. Back to the leftover ARPA money for a minute. Is that is the decision on how to spend that being made? And I know you said it, they would send it down to a district level, but is how that's divided up being made by the legislature or is that an administrative function? It's an administrative function. Okay. And who has responsibility for that? 
usually school district leadership. So, you know, we're talking like the treasurers and, you know, I'm not sure who else has input in that, but I know most of the leaders at the district level, they make those decisions. The schools, the individual schools can apply for the money, right? Like they can say, I need money in my school specifically for like computers or something like that. And then the districts can then, you know, allocate those funds down to those schools. What do uh, citizens do to make sure that this is this money is most efficiently used to help their school district? What can they do? Yeah, so they can, you know, call into their district leadership, and especially if you're like a parent or an educator. I get questions from educators, you know, like, how can we get this money to us? And I always tell them, like, you know, call your district leaders, let them know, like, hey, I have these problems. My kids are struggling to read. We need, you know, more books, more tutors, all of this thing. And so can you please, you know, we I know that our specific school district has this amount of money left. We would like this money for this, um, you know, parent can just, you know, advocate, speak out, attend school board meetings, different things like that, kind of just letting these school districts know, like, we need this money in our schools for my students, for my classroom, um, so that they can thrive. Let me put my tongue firmly in my cheek so you understand where I'm coming from. But truthfully, we really don't need more money for books since we're banning books anyways. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and that's the whole other issue, right? This is National Banned Book Month, I think, or Banned Book Week. It begins this week. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk some more about that on this show uh, tomorrow, I think. But, um, yeah, so we don't. We can save. The, the good thing is we can save on, on uh, you know, the, the funding for books because we don't need so many books because library shelves are getting mm-hmm. denuded. And we don't need history books because, well, we don't um, really want to teach history anymore, I guess. so. Exactly. And that's the problem. (laughs) And it's like, you know, the school students also coming out of the pandemic, they reported um, levels higher than ever before of like increased anxiety, depression, right, things like that. And so really, I mean, this money like Columbus City Schools, they plan to use about a million dollars to provide mental health supports for their students. (laughs) Um, So, you know, districts can do things like that just to hire more like, you know, health professionals that can really support students outside of their academic. You know, I, I I think back on the pandemic year, um, and, and it, it almost seems like a dream to me now, but you're right, kids in particular, uh, many many adults as well, uh, particularly if they had lost loved ones during that period of time, whatever, but that pandemic year was a mentally uh, crushing year for a lot of people, as well as physically. Yes. Yes, definitely, especially with the whole when students had to, you know, move to remote. So they lost that, you know, social aspect of being in school with their friends or, you know, being in the classroom and having some of those things. So they were at home. So for students who may not have, you know, necessarily good home situations, right, like they were really struggling and um, just feeling isolated and different things like that. Like you said, same with the dogs. Teachers went through the same thing. And a lot of teachers didn't return just because they were, you know, suffering from some of these emotional and mental um, health issues that happened during the pandemic. It was, it was a different, and again, it's hard for me. I don't know for, for you. And I suppose it depends on everybody's individual experience. I, I, I have, I'm very immunocompromised. So uh, my wife and I just, we just basically went, we sheltered in place and lived a year of uh, quiet solitude. And, uh, but it, we weren't overly affected, but an awful lot of people were. And when I think back on that pandemic year, it is just hard for me to remember how dramatically 
different that was and how dramatically our lives were affected. It isn't really the issue that you came on here to talk about, but I'm just thinking about that as you and I are talking. And, and for students, it has to be even more so. And so many students, again, I, I want to be honest, there are some students in some districts and some school systems and some school teachers who were able to make the remote learning and make that pandemic year much better than others did. But students, to a large extent, are still just, they just lost a year, basically. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, there's some districts, like some wealthier districts, you know, where family incomes are higher, they definitely suffered, you know, a little less. They they were able to pretty much provide supports that help students to kind of keep up, um, especially during the, the hybrid. But then you have those districts like Columbus City Schools, right, where their incomes are very low in that district, and they just did not have that same level of resourcing, especially coming back. They, were, they didn't have the same level of resourcing to be able to come back and get students on track so students are still like columbus city schools you know if you look at recent report card data they have pretty much some of the lowest scores in the state in terms of proficiency in math and we're seeing that that's you know coming from the pandemic they are just still struggling to catch up and so they need you know this support that this arpa money is um offering Tanisha, I appreciate your time this morning and uh, your thoughtful attention to this issue. It's something that we need to keep in mind and um, thinking about what's the best way to spend the money left over. It isn't just in Ohio. It's elsewhere as well. But uh, Ohio in particular has this money. Let's figure out the most efficient way to use what's left. Uh, The the ARPA funding and the other pandemic-type fundings that came through, to me, are, are a perfect example of how government should work. And, of course, after the pandemic, we just shut it off again, which is just sad. But that's that's my opinion. Tanisha, appreciate your time today. Thanks very much. Perhaps we'll talk again in the future. No problem. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Tanisha Pruitt is with the uh, Policy Matters Ohio Group. 937, 23 to the hour. Bob Westfall in a few minutes will talk about what they're working on today in the TV7 newsroom. And Taylor Long is here to talk about what's been happening in the past day. Good Tuesday morning, everyone. I'm Taylor Long with your 7 News headlines on this October the 3rd. We get right to breaking news. Officials in New York said the 9-year-old girl who went missing just days ago has been found alive and safe. New York Governor Kathy Hochul provided an update overnight on Charlotte Cena, who disappeared on a bike ride while at a state park with her family. After that, officials said it was an intense, days-long search. They say they found Charlotte alive. The governor described the timeline of how a ransom note was left at her home. New York officials are still investigating. We don't have all the pieces together right now. We'll share more details with you as they become available. And back here at home, one person is dead this morning after a motorcycle crash on Route 2 in West Virginia. Officers say they responded to a crash between a motorcycle and a car at the intersection of State Route 2 and 24th Street in Wellsburg. They say 37-year-old John Joseph William Miller was on a motorcycle when he attempted to pass a vehicle on the right while traveling north. The passenger vehicle tried to turn right at the same point when both vehicles collided. Miller was thrown from the motorcycle and died instantly. And staying in Brook County at last night's council meeting, Fallensby officials talked about future traffic concerns. Back in May, the West Virginia Division of Highways proposed a plan to remove traffic lights from four main intersections in Fallensby. Those four lights are at the intersection of Main and State Streets, Main and Ohio Streets, Main and Raymond, and the entrance to the Coke plant. 
The West Virginia Division of Highways responded last Friday saying they are going to shut these lights down. This change has Mayor David Veligal worried. The mayor's next steps include talking with higher officials and even starting petitions to keep these lights open, especially due to the amount of traffic coming in from Route 2 to new businesses coming in the area. That was a look at your headlines. Have a terrific Tuesday. I'm Taylor Long, working for you. Griselle Funeral Homes is proud to be a sponsor of tonight's game. Griselle Funeral Homes offers unique opportunities for families to create healing moments after loss. Their experience, coupled with their perspective on the importance of ceremony, will help you discover ways to pay tribute. Whether traditional or unique, these tributes allow us to love, laugh, and live well again. Please feel free to contact them for information on funeral cost, pre-arrangements, or prearrangement transfers online at GrizzellFuneralHomes.com. Live and local, every weekday, with 10,000 watts of total power on WKKX and WVLY. This is the Watchdog Morning Show with Howard Monroe. Look in my direction I caught it in my hands today I finally made a tricky French connection You winked and gave me your okay I'll take you on a trip beside the ocean And drop the top of Chesapeake Bay Ain't nothing like the sky to dose a potion The moon will send you on your way Sunlight feels right. It's sunshine outside. I think it's sunshine outside. It's supposed to be a sunny day today. Daytime high around 82 degrees. Starland vocal band? Well, uh, you had had the uh, combination of the title of the song and the group. Uh, Starbuck is the name of the group, and the tune is Starlight Feels Right. Okay, Starbuck. Okay, that's it. I thought that was Starland Vocal Band. but We had it all, but yeah. Just all mixed up there. Well, you know. It's, Turn it's, it into goulash, it's, it's a lot like uh, It's a lot like me. Just all mixed up pretty much uh, pretty much all the time. 18 to the hour here on the Watchdog Morning Show. Bob Westfall in a bit. We'll talk about what uh, Channel 7 is working on today. I have, in recent months, if not the last year or so, kind of given up on trying to point out all the stupid and offensive things that Donald Trump says. Look, he's in trial right now. Did you see any of the coverage of that trial yesterday that he's up in New York? I was just kind of looking at his body language. Right, that's, that, what that's I mean. all I was looking at. He looks like he's getting more down a little uh, bit. It, he, I just thought he was, if he could have jumped up and strangled somebody, he doesn't even, I don't think he even knows who, just want to jump, you know, and his head was down and he was muttering to himself. You couldn't hear anything, but you and arms crossed. Oh man, you know he, he. Whether you like Trump or dislike Trump, whether you think he's guilty or not guilty, 
He is a criminal defendant. And and he's being treated like one. He hates that. And he is. And how you you know we we've noticed, especially with court TV, there's been these uh, high profile cases that that's come up. I don't remember any defendant, anyone in trouble, blasting the judge. You know, you might want to if that's your honest opinion, that's fine. But you might want to keep that to you until you're done in their courtroom. He he, he said, you know, of course, he, all it's just his usual stuff. You have to wonder, other than his absolute hardcore MAGA base, who pays attention to that? Well, I, you know, it's a. It's a it's a witch hunt. Disgrace. She's a disgrace. He's a disgrace. He's a disgrace. This is all about uh, you know trying to. It's just it's just for you know. First place, who pays attention to him anymore? But secondly, I don't think he understands. He's a criminal defendant. He's on trial here. Well, I think the reality really set in, Howard, and I didn't understand this either until I I started paying attention this morning. He isn't you know. Our governor had problems of his own, and he lost some property that he didn't want to lose. But what I'm he's gathering, losing everything. he's got property. he's in jeopardy of losing all those gems in New Trump York City. Power? Yes, could, could be gone. Uh, Mar-a-Lago, there's questions about that because it's in a different state. Mar-a-Lago, and, and and he's having his business licenses pulled from him. The Trump Organization, which he has built his entire career on from the time he was daddy's recipient of the money. Is gone. The Trump organization is gone. And you know what it shows, Howard? And again, I kind of jumped on. I was never on the bandwagon, but I liked the change that he was bringing. I love the idea that a politician was not running this country. A businessman was. And then the more I started learning and then I read a little bit on myself, this has been this man's whole life. And I'm just glad that the truth is coming out. That's all. I just wanted the truth. The United States used to be about the truth. I don't know what happened, you know, but it's not so much anymore. This particular trial in New York, the fraud trial, that is all that it's about. It's about how he lied about, well, everything involving his business. I saw uh, just part of the testimony last night. Uh, he, had, he, he claimed that his um, apartment, if you will, in Trump Tower... 30,000 square feet. Well, no, 10. But that changed the valuation of everything. You know, he, he just, he, he claimed he had more money. Now, look, J.J., Governor Justice, Governor Justice did, did um, was a billionaire, and he lost it. And that's a totally different story than being just a liar about being a billionaire. You know, Trump or a justice was a billionaire in the money. He, he lost the money during his time in office for a variety of reasons. And we've talked about that over and over again. But Trump just lied about how much money he had to begin with. He wasn't he, he may have been a billionaire, but he wasn't like the 10 billion billionaire that he claimed that he was. He, his whole life has been built on a lie. And I'm just the messenger here. Caller said that this trial going on now is not criminal. It's a it civil. Is, that's correct. It's a civil trial. Okay. It so, is. So you're right. Thanks for the call, buddy. Thanks. So a criminal defendant may be, well, he is a criminal defendant. Not in this particular case. He is a he is he is a defendant. Uh, but 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 that's right. It's, this is a civil trial. He will not put on the orange jumpsuit at the end of this. He simply will have to go buy his clothes at um, Walmart, which tells me that he's more worried about losing all his fabulous things instead of really going to jail, Howard. Well, this I, I, and I th- and I think that's a great point. You're, this that that's absolutely a great point. And he, you know, this this is yeah. So yesterday he's out in the hallway 
ranting and railing about the judge. And it's unfair and it's unfair. They wouldn't let me have a jury trial. And the judge said, you didn't ask for one. Every defendant has a right to ask for a jury trial or a trial before a judge. Your attorneys didn't ask for one. You weren't denied a jury trial. You didn't ask for a jury trial. And you probably remember this too, Howard. At the height of his popularity, when he just took over office, they still hated his guts in New York City. So oh, yeah. how are you going to find? He was never. He they was, hated his guts in New York City. Even his so-called peers hated him. I mean, he was never part of the New York City, you know, uh, which which actually is part of his mental problems, I think, is that he was, you know, never accepted as one of the boys. He was always, you know, the crude outlier, and, well, he should be. I, I wanted to very quickly get to, I don't often go over the stuff that is in the past and things that Trump did when he was in office, things he said, but uh, yesterday, uh, John Kelly, who was his chief of staff um, for a long period of time, um, offered some comments on Donald Trump. What can I say, Kelly said, what can I say that's not already been said? A person that thinks those who defend their country in uniform or are shot down or are seriously wounded in combat or spend years being tortured as POWs are suckers because there's nothing in it for them. A person that doesn't want to be seen in the presence of military amputees because, quote, it doesn't look good for me. A person who demonstrated open contempt for Gold Star families during the 2016 campaign. A person who rants that our most precious heroes who gave their lives in America's defense are losers. And when the time came to visit their graves in France and Normandy, he said, I don't want to go there. Why would I go there? They're a bunch of losers. This is what this man thinks about our American veterans, our American military. The people who used to always say, my generals, as if he owned them. Um, Kelly went on just he, he talked about a lot of this stuff. I'm looking for one particular story here. Uh, in a trip to France in 2017, uh, Donald Trump told Kelly, his chief of staff, he wanted no wounded veterans in the military parade. Uh, inspired by the Bastille Day parade, he wanted everything done just like it was in Bastille Day, except on Bastille Day, they had a parade featuring wounded French veterans in wheelchairs. Trump says, quote, look, I don't want wounded guys in my parade. Kelly says, those are heroes. Trump says, I don't want them. Doesn't look good for me. Um, the story squares with another story from uh, someone in a recent article in the Atlantic magazine. Uh, a wounded Army captain was singing God Bless America um, at a welcome event and for the new chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. And Trump said, why do you bring people like that here, meaning wounded people, why do you bring people like that here? No one wants to see the wounded. There's a great deal more of this that was said yesterday. And again, I don't want to rehash things that Trump did, you know, five years ago. Uh, but um, this is what this man thinks about our veterans, our military. He doesn't want to be seen with wounded veterans because it doesn't look good for him. Why do you bring me here? A wounded veteran is singing God Bless America. Why do you bring someone like that here, he says. Doesn't look good. But go ahead. You're going to send me texts and tell me how, you know, I'm just a Trump hater. 
I am a Trump hater. I am. A, and things like that make me hate him even worse. God, I hope he gets his comeuppance. Nine before the hour, and Bob Westfall is next. How much could a cyber attack cost your business? The costs stemming from a cyber attack can vary tremendously, but are extremely significant. Recent studies have shown that the average cost of a data breach to small business can range from $120,000 to $1.2 million. In addition to financial loss, companies also suffer downtime, lost opportunities, and data recovery expenses that can all quickly add up. Could your organization survive a cyber incident? If you are unsure if you are doing enough to protect your data, reputation, and dollars from cyber criminals, contact the team at Omni Strategic Technologies today. Omni has the right tools and support to help keep your business protected. Call 304-242-7600 and schedule your free consultation today or visit omniperforms.com. Omni Strategic Technologies, the only cybersecurity and advisory firm that the watchdog trusts. The Highlands is the Ohio Valley's top spot for shopping, dining, and entertainment, too. Play a round of simulated golf at the Four Seasons course. Grab a movie with family or friends at the Marquee Cinemas, featuring 14 screens of the hottest new movies in all digital and 3D. Plus, special promotions like Flashback Cinema. Or visit the Highlands Sports Complex with turf, courts, climbing wall, and an arcade. Shopping, dining, and entertainment. Just off I-70, the top of the hill, the Highlands. Hello, Ohio Valley. This is Kate Delaney inviting you to join me overnight here on The Watchdog. Whether it's talking to big names in entertainment or sports, discussing the latest political news, or just chatting about life, I'll be here to keep you company on The Watchdog. WVLY AM 1370, FM 97.7, or online at watchdognetwork.com. Teachers' desks are clean, chalk is fresh, and the blackboard is ready. It's back to school time, and we're ready with you on the Watchdog Morning Show with Howard Monroe. Everybody, listen to me and return me my ship. I'm your captain. I'm your captain. Though I'm feeling mighty. I'm the captain of the show. Am I the captain of the show? You're the captain. You're the general. <laughs> the, I'm the general. I'm the admiral. Not me. I'm just. I'm just the boy who slops the deck some of the time. Speaking of which, by the way, I gotta make sure it, it, the boss isn't here yet, is she? Well, she is. She's uh, in the front room there, and I. I've got biscuits. Uh, I got. I got crumbs a, here. I gotta I, clean, I gotta up, clean up the biscuit crumbs because. Um, yeah, we're not supposed to be eating here in the studio, and uh, we had some Wendy's this morning. You did. I didn't hurt. Oh, that's it. Oh, yeah. Throw me overboard. Hey, here comes the bus, and boss threw me up. Bob threw me under it. Bob Westfall is here from the Big 7 WTRF-TV. Good morning, Bob. Morning, Howard. How are you? I'm okay until Bob just threw me under the bus. We're not supposed well, to eat. Yeah, I, not supposed I to eat here in the studio, but I did. Yes, go ahead. You guys live stream? Uh, no, we live stream the audio, but not the video yet. Oh, uh, just the audio. Okay, okay. We have the cameras in here, and they're all ready to go. But I haven't. I need to set the. Um, uh, I, I need to position them right. I don't have them positioned right the way I want them yeah. to yet. Nice excuse. Well, yeah. You just don't want so you can get in trouble for eating. Well, I'm. I'm. Yeah. Well, listen. I'll figure out how. It, once we get them working, it'll be okay. I know there's going to be a blackout button of some kind. 
Oops, something went wrong. Just eat our eat our eat our food. So there we go. Yeah, well, when you get it together, we want to come down and do that. Uh, we want to look at the new studio. I was thinking about you uh, just this this week. We're going to try and get this all the stuff figured out. At the last piece yeah, of the well, puzzle, I think, is the is this video. All the cameras are here. Our cam our our lighting is not yet in. We'll have to run the sweeper now. Howard. And but uh, yeah, we got to run the sweeper and. Um, but I, I have to position the camera so it gets my good side. What's my good – Bob, what's – Bob uh, Slider, what's my good side? Well, turn around. I'm still – No, no, not – I don't mean that. Never mind. <laughs> See, Bob Westfall is used to working with all the beautiful people down there on 16th Street. That's why we're in radio. That's now. why we're in radio. There's no question about it. Absolutely. I was in TV, but I was behind the scenes. Nobody ever let me sit in front of a camera. <laughs> Bob, what are you working on today? All right, some of the things we're working on, we're going to preview the uh, lunch with leaders, the event the chamber is having. Uh, Senator Shelley Moore Capito will be part of that, so we're going to talk to Mike Howard and his people over there at the chamber and let people know what uh, what this is and what they can, how they can take part of it and part in it. Uh, also going to talk to uh, Kelly Tucker-Jones uh, on uh, some of the new rules at venues in the area, uh, find out what those are. Uh, especially heading into hockey season because you're going to have a lot of people heading into the games thinking this and that and the other thing, and that isn't right. So we're going to follow up on that, um, especially, like I said, with hockey season coming, the nailers coming back. Uh, so we'll have that. Uh, I'm going to talk to people over at the YWCA, uh, the uh, Department of Justice Safe Neighborhoods uh, grant program. Just passed out uh, about $86,000 to the uh, YWCA here in Wheeling. Also about 77000 to the Division of Justice and Community Service. Going to find out, I think a lot of times people forget what all the YWCA does uh, for the community, things like that. They've got a ton of programs. It's it's just mind-blowing, that uh, the things they do down there. Um, we're going to kind of talk about the grant money, what that's going to go to, but also kind of want to talk about the YWCA over overall, what they do uh, within the community. Cause, uh, I think that's a really good idea because I think most folks, not just a lot, I think most folks do not understand uh, how much the Y does these days. I mean, it's, uh, uh, it's you know, just so many different aspects of life here in the Ohio Valley they're involved in. Um, and I don't right. think most people really, really even begin to understand that. Right. Uh, I'm going to do a little bit of a preview tonight. Uh, uh, it's called a documentary called Impossible Town. Uh, is at the town gate this evening. Um, we're kind of, we're uh, one of my friends, uh, uh uh, Chelsea uh, Morrison is a producer down at WOWK. Her father, uh, who has been with uh, West Re uh, with uh, with us with WOWK since the very beginning of West Virginia Media, very good man. He's part of this. He's a part, uh, assistant producer on this. Uh, so it's uh, going to talk about uh, uh, Southern West Virginia uh, beset by cancer, causing chemicals, uh, things like that. We hear that a lot uh, over the last decades or so. Yep. So uh, that's playing tonight at Towngate. So we'll be there. Uh, we'll do a little bit of a preview in our five o'clock show. So we'll have that. And let's see, NAMI has a candlelight vigil. We'll be there tonight. Uh, that is at St. Michael's Parish Church. Uh, it begins about 6.30, uh, so we'll be there covering that as well. Uh, sports, I do believe it's Athlete of the Week tonight. Uh, weather, gorgeous, gorgeous weather. Looks like it's going to be back into the 80s. Uh, kind of love that. And uh, that's kind of what we're working on today. Going to be a good day today, sunshine uh, into the uh, low 80s and going to be that way for a couple of days. But some rain coming in at the tail end of the week, but not uh, not a lot. Mornings for uh, Friday and Saturday, I think. Should be a good Ogilvy Fest weekend as well. Temperatures are going to drop down to the 50s, which actually I think is good Ogilvy Fest weather. 
uh, for temperatures in the 50s. So all in all, a good right. forecast. Uh, people can check things out at noon, 5, 6, 10, 11, 530, the statewide show, and always at WTRF.com. And when also uh, in your pocket with the Storm Tracker 7 app and the news app. Bob, I appreciate it. We will talk to you again on Thursday. All right, guys. Talk to you Thursday. All right. Coming up today, statewide talk line. Hoppy Kirchwell kicks things off with Carol Miller, the first district congresswoman, talking about her vote to continue funding the federal government, at least until November, and also the vote to remove Speaker McCarthy. And also, my friend Tom Sussman is in. Guess what he's talking about? What's he talking about? RFK Jr. Wow. That'll be coming up on the Hoppy Show. I think somebody was listening to that. (laughs) (laughs) That'll be coming up today with Hoppy. Well, I'll see you tomorrow morning, 7 o'clock, right here. WVLY Moundsville. From ABC News.